I really am concerned, if you haven't got it from me speaking to you this year, but I'm concerned with your generation. I, I don't know what your future is going to look like. And I'm not sure right now we can do anything about it. But I do think you have to do something. Um, when somebody warns you about something, a lot of times you can dismiss it. You dismiss it because maybe they're my age. And they're saying, hey, I wouldn't jump off the building like that if I were you. And you might say, oh, you're just trying to keep me from having fun. Really, I've watched people jump off buildings and break their legs. That's why I don't want you to jump off the building. If you knew my personality, you'd realize I like thrill things. I mean, I've rafted the Colorado through the Grand Canyon. I've rafted the Middle Fork of the Salmon River. Um, I like doing things that are supposed to work. And I'd snowmobile up in the mountains. I used to take groups out a week at a time on horses here. Out in the wilderness, let's go, we'll come back at the end of the week. I like adventure. But if I warn you about something, normally it's because I really think you probably should be careful. Because something bad might happen if you do that. Um, I'm really not going to try and ever limit you to have a thrill, because I like those myself. When God warns us about something, we need to understand that that's exactly what he's doing. It's not that God says, I want to warn you, so I want your life to be boring, dull, just crazy in a way that nobody wants it. That's not God. He actually wants you to have a life that he intended you to have. So when, he, when God says, look out for this, I would look out for this. I wouldn't say, mm, maybe. I would No, I would look out for it. In the Bible, there's, there's things that um, are called woes, W-O-E-S. It's where God says, whoa, if you do this, mm, not good. It's not going to work for you. And here's what I promise you. If you do what he says woe to, it won't work for you. It may work in a moment, but it's not going to work long term. Because God knows what he's talking about. It's kind of like, don't jump off that building. Yeah, but the thrill in the air, right? It's just the thrill in the air that you're going to miss. The rest of it, you're not going to miss. And, and it's not to say that there's not a thrill sometimes in, in doing something maybe that you shouldn't do. But it's the end result we're looking at. It can destroy. And that's what's really hard for a generation that's so into the moment. It's hard to understand that the stuff that I do now might be causing trouble 5, 10, 15 years from now. And if you've been with me last week, you realize our nation doesn't know that either. We're $25 trillion in debt. Now, who cares? Somebody should care. What I'm trying to do this summer is set you up so that you can have some clear thinking at least and, and follow God in a very strange time in history. Uh, the verse I want to read to you comes from Isaiah 5.18. It says, Woe to those who draw iniquity with cords of falsehood, who draw sin as with the cart ropes. Now, you might say, boy, that verse is confusing. Right, right, it is. It's not language we use a lot. But if I were to tell you that I wanted to uh, take you on a horse-drawn vehicle, you'd know what I meant, right? Like that one sitting in the weeds over there, which is a casket carrier, by the way. And uh, so if you ever have a casket you need to carry around, bam, right there. Hook a horse to it, take it away, and enjoy yourself. The bottom line really is, when I say horse drawn, you know what I mean. That's the words here. It says, woe to those who draw, like a horse pulls a wagon. 
Woe to those who draw iniquity with cords of falsehood, with lies. Who's the father of lies in the Bible? Now, let me ask you this. A lie for it to work, what's the one quality of a lie for it to work? It has to be believable. So people who lie, they work at making whatever they say believable. Correct? So Satan, who's really smart, by the way, he makes the lies that he tells you believable. That's what makes it so hard to recognize. Because he's really good at what he does. He's the father of lies. And he does it in a way where you actually believe it. Here's why that's critically important. In our culture today, facts don't matter anymore. What we believe matters. If, if what we believe is the only thing that matters, if what we believe starts to dictate facts and truth, then we're primed for Satan to ruin us. We have to have a way. You, you have to. You must have a way to check what you believe. If you don't have that, you're primed to believe a lie. It's very important. In, 19, uh, in 2016, the Oxford Dictionary always picks a word that describes, they think describes the culture the best for that year. And in 2016, they picked the word which is really two words, but I guess they got away with it because it's got a hyphen. It, it, it post-truth. They said in 2016, post-truth became the norm. What is post-truth? Well, it's, it's defining reality, or relating or denoting circumstances in which objective facts are less influential in shaping public opinion than emotion or personal belief. In other words, what they said in 2016, truth is no longer what people are looking for. They're looking for something to believe in. That's interesting, but it's got ramifications. I want you all to understand, I've said it a lot, but I'm sorry, I have to keep repeating it. Because you believe something doesn't make it true. Just remember that. Belief does not make anything true. You need to believe in truth. So you have to have some way to check everything that you believe. Um, here's what's happening now it, as a culture. We are people who are bound uh, into this thing called the internet. The internet shapes a lot of what's going on. The internet, by the way, is not bad. It's not good, it's just the internet. However, the problem with the internet, the scholars who invented the internet, some of the biggest professors, not size-wise, but brain-wise, I guess, in the world, have started to sound this warning to people that the actual internet could be worse than a nuclear holocaust because of the fact that it it preys on clickbait and emotions and feelings and the table for information is so large that nobody knows what's true anymore. And you get a culture that has this huge abundance of information that they cannot evaluate the truth of. They will start to just pool into groups that 
pool together to believe like the people in their pool. You'll unfriend people. You will eventually have this pool, worldwide, by the way, of people that believe like you do, and it could all be lies. Now, you may sit there and go, well, we're smart enough to detect that. You are and you aren't. If, if you were to go to a, an African village today in the middle of nowhere, find a family, interview a little boy or a little girl in a family, they would tell you that they know the truth because they live with their parents in that jungle and, and their family represents truth. Now, they may or they may not. I don't know. But what is happening to a civilized culture around the world is that this access to the internet is making people actually more divisive than it is bringing them together. It's beginning to take away some of the fundamentals of Christianity, actually. The fundamental, like, we need to look at each other. God made us relational people. Now, I'm not minimizing the fact that you have to watch out for disease and all that stuff. That's fine. We've always had to do that. Yeah, watch out for flu. Watch out for leprosy. Whatever's out there, you got to watch out for. But you also need to understand that relationships are critical and relationships take face time. So we got to figure out, as a culture, we have to figure out how to do it, not, not avoid it. Somehow. When, when you look at this, it says, woe to those who draw sin as with a cart. We tend to believe what sounds good to us. Opening us up to this. People who know how to craft words can make us believe anything. We tend to believe what our family believes. We tend to believe repetitive messages. Have you ever seen an advertisement on television like for the four billionth time? There's a reason why you've seen it four billion times. We tend to believe as our peers believe or in a more negative turn, mob mentality. We, we tend to believe that. If, if you don't think so, just look at how things are set up. We tend to believe according to what news media we choose to put into our head. And by the way, every professor that's ever studied the internet and people realizes you don't really go to the internet for information. You go to confirm what you already believe. And so you build again this basis of people and things to confirm what you believe. The whole time you could be wrong. It's a, it's a scary thing when you look at the future and you look at what's going on with, um, with the internet and how people are actually choosing what they believe and then believing that the belief is true. What this verse talks about is what, what happens is if you draw a cart, if you draw a horse-drawn cart with cords of lies, when those lies give way, life goes out of control. Um, I used to train horses to pull wagons, and I used to do it around here. I'd do it out in the field, and I would take them around camp. And every once in a while, I had a, a horse that would be very interesting. Um, once I had a horse, he, he was an expert at slipping that bridle off. And 
if you know anything about driving horses, you, you certainly don't want that bridle to fall off while you're driving them. And I was driving a team and, and actually was training one and I was using an older one to train a younger one and the younger one was like a younger one. They, they were all over the place and had to be restrained. And, but I made a mistake. I, I, I forgot one of the straps on that younger one's bridle, which is a critical error. He slipped it off and before you know it, this thing's running full speed through the woods over in front of the, was the chapel at that time. And I just jumped, I jumped off that thing and that old wagon went through the woods, busting into pieces as it hit every tree that it went by. And you could see the horses just canter through the field with a tongue after them, because the rest of it was in pieces somewhere. Of course, someone saw that and tried to look for me, and I was just mad walking back out there saying, when I get my hands on that thing, I'm, you know, what? The truth is, something let loose. And when it let loose, it was pretty tragic. The most tragic thing that can happen to a horse-drawn vehicle is to have yourself lose control because somehow your equipment failed in front of you. When that happens, there's not a lot of safety procedures on a covered wagon. This is the, the context that we're being warned about. If you hitch your life, if you do hitch it, to the cart of life with lies. When those straps let loose, your life is out of control. When it's out of control, it's too late. I don't know if, you're, uh, if you ever watched Little House on the Prairie, but Ma and Pa, they adopted those two kids that were brother and sister because their parents died in a wagon accident they were going down a hill and he lost control and immediately when I saw the program I thought oh that hill you better break that thing you can't push those horses from behind or you're going to be in trouble and even Pa Engels told the guy that don't let this push the horses from behind good advice only his brake went out and the horses went crazy and the thing went down the parents died I'm telling you something once it breaks apart you don't fix it And that, unfortunately, is where we as a culture are headed. Once it breaks apart, you can't fix it anymore. There's just going to be damage everywhere. I'm not sure we're there, but I think your generation, my generation, needs to start calling out a warning and saying, look, what we need to have in our lives, you need to have in your life, a very specific way where you can check what you believe against things that can tell you whether they're true or not. It, don't fall for the idea that everything someone believes or, or is in the middle of a cause of is just true because they firmly believe it. And, and I mean that within your own self, within your family, within your school, within your, your city. I'm not saying be rude, by the way. Be angry with people. I'm not telling you to argue with anybody. In fact, Jesus, he was the ultimate one that was right. He, got, he ended up on a cross. He didn't argue. He didn't give in. He just didn't argue. I, I'm not saying that we should be on the internet doing... You, you don't change people's minds on Facebook. 
All you do is confirm people what they believe already. I wouldn't use that medium to help change people. It's not, it doesn't work. It's proven not to work. You know what changes people? Real life. Real life changes them. You live with them. You enjoy being with them. You share with them. That's what helps people. Because that's what we were made to do. The truth always sets you free, by the way. It always sets you free. Let me give you a simple truth. God made me. He made me the way I am. He put me in the family I'm supposed to be. He gave me all the disabilities I have and all the abilities I have. I, I should never come to God and say, oh, man, you made a mistake in my looks or my talent. No, I get to go. I'm free to say, wow, God, thank you for what you've given me. I'm not sure why you gave it to me, but thank you. See, there's a freedom in not trying to be who I'm not. There's a freedom there. For those of you that have to be who you're not, I pity you, there's no freedom. You're slaves to something. No, you are who you are. And if you say, yeah, I am who I am, so I'm going to sin, that's not what I just said. Nobody is made to go and sin. That's not what you're supposed to do. I don't care what your personality is, but you know, your looks, your introvert, extrovert, your personality, your, your talents, your gifts, if you know what the truth says, you get to enjoy those things and that truth sets you free and every day you can go, wow, I love life, I love it, I'm doing what I'm, doing what I'm made to do. Where if you have to hide who you really are, you have to convince somebody that you're worthy, you're not free then. You see, truth always sets you free. That's the characteristic of it. Truth can be ugly. I understand that. You got bad breath, you got bad breath. But it still sets you free. And we need to understand that. And that's what the woe is from Isaiah. What, what you believe today is actually shaping your, your future. That's why you want truth to shape your future. Those who believe the truth, the future, they're really not scared of. Oh, they may not know what to do, but they're just not afraid of the future. Those who really know the truth, they're not afraid of death. And they enjoy life. Because they know what the truth says, and the characteristic of the truth is that it sets you free. When you are somebody who starts feeling like you're a slave to something, Remember what I just said. It means that there's something in your life that's a lie. Go find the lie. Get rid of it. Some of you, you're, you're not worthy. I, I mean, you're, you're at the stage where maybe you're dating somebody, whatever, and you think, oh, I'm not worthy. And I'm, You know what? Relax. Be who you are. Enjoy who you are. Don't put yourself to where you're going to be enslaved. Right now, ministries like this and others are going, I wonder what the future holds. I don't know what the future holds. But here's the fun part. I know that God loves us and he's got it. I'm free. Why? Well, what if he closes the place? Isn't this God's place? If it's God's place, can't he do what he wants? I'm right, I'm done. Our job is to live as if God actually loves us, as if he is in charge. It isn't 
to worry about the future. If I start worrying about the future, can I change it? So I kind of wasted all my time. Now, the opposite of that is you live, who cares life? That's not what the Bible teaches either. If you can't figure it out, I have a burden for your generation. I'd love to get rid of that burden. But I don't see you living the life I lived to my age. Not in this environment. Now, that's not destroying me, by the way, the burden. But I'm not going to get rid of it. The Bible never teaches you to go lackadaisical and don't care. That's not what it teaches. But I do know that I can't do anything about what you believe, what you do, what the future is going to look like. I can't do that. I can tell you what I see, and I can ask you to walk with God and love him. I could do that. I can introduce you to a God who for 64 years has been faithful to me. I can do that. I can tell you that if you listen to God and you stay close to him, you will be okay. I can tell you that. I just can't tell you that you'll have a lot of money or you'll be comfortable. I can't tell you that stuff because I don't know that stuff. And anyone who does, don't believe them. We've got to understand that somehow in our lives, we've got to set ourselves up so that we have a way to check what we believe. We can't just believe everything. We, we have to be careful not to believe things that we just choose to believe in because other people believe like we do. Check it out. Again, one of the most important things I've ever done in my life is read the Bible through every year, cover to cover, and, and write my journal as I do that. It gives you perspective on life. By the way, it's not hard to read your Bible through cover to cover. If you read a fifth grade level and you read 15 minutes a day, you'll finish it in a year. And you do that aloud. So if you do it silently, you probably read faster. Just don't move your lips while you're reading, you'll do faster. A professor at MIT said this, I observed as a problem with the socioeconomic cure, I'm gonna to get to what his conclusion is in a minute, but this is an MIT professor who's looking at the situation right now and he says, belief systems, not truth, are cementing our identity and forging our relationships. A professor looking at it saying, you know what, we got a big problem as a country because we have changed from having something that's true to something we believe in. And there are people that have beliefs all over the place. It's important to realize. Here, here's what you need to do. John 8, 31 to 32, here's the answer for you. Test the truth. It should set you free. Here's what it says. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him. Here's what he said to them. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. The key words there, if you abide in me. There's no way for you to understand that God holds the truth until you listen to what he said. Once you listen to what he said, you go, hey, this actually works. This works. I don't know how many times I've thought, you know what? God's plan for marriage has been fantastic. 
One man, one woman, dedicated, committed to each other all their lives. Wow. No fear of, of, of wrecking a family. No fear. See, what God planned is really good. It's not bad. If you choose to live by what he says, the Bible says you'll find out what he said is true. The only way to find out that it's true is to listen. If you don't want to listen, get ready to find out that you're not right. So if I told you not to jump off the building, you could say, well, I promise you this. If you jump off, if you don't jump off the building, you will not break your leg from jumping off the building. I promise you. You know, that's pretty simple. Yes, but I'm not trusting you. So you jump off the building. Afterwards, you find out what I said was true. I go, well, I told you not to do that. Yeah, but for whatever reason, whoever told you you could do it, whatever it might be, now you're a slave to the injury for X amount of time. God loves you. You've got a plan. You've got to trust him. But if you don't know him, you can't trust him. So first, you've got to know him. You've got to spend time getting to know him. Read that Bible. Understand who he is. You don't have to understand everything he does. Don't. You need to understand who he is. And eventually, you trust what he says and do it. And when you do that, you find it's true. And when you find the truth, you find you're free. Don't go to the internet to find that. Go to the Bible. I know, I know. My Bible's on the internet. I understand that. Go to the Bible on the internet. Use the internet for something good. Go to the Bible. Know God. Let Apply it. Trust him. You'll see it's true. You'll be free. And you'll start being an example to a culture that needs it desperately. We're still here. So are you, churches are still there. Perhaps there's still hope for a change. Not my call. It's your call as a generation. Take it seriously. Be careful what you put in your head from that internet. Please be careful. Understand the tendencies that you will have. Make sure you know the truth. Father, thank you that we can meet this morning. I thank you for this crew. I pray, pray that you continue to keep us well, continue to give us opportunities, keep all the campers well, protect this place in every way today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. Have a good work day.